Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. It was wonderful to share this time with you on a Wednesday afternoon. And there's a lot of fascinating material I want to share with you. I'm very excited about it all. First one is that today is the 17th of Cheshvan. That's the Hebrew date, the 17th day of the month of Cheshvan. And there are two previous days, two Yotzats I want to mention, which I think are relevant and important. On the 15th of Cheshvan, which was two days ago, which was on Monday, was the site of the Chazan Ish, Rav Abraham Yeshaya Karelitz. The Chazan Ish was born in 1878. He died in 1953. And he was known by the um, appellation Chazan Ish, which was actually the title of his famous work he wrote, of his chubas, of his halachic responsa called Chazan Ish, based on a pasuk in the Navi, in the Prophets. Um, he was a great genius. The Chazan Ish moved from Vilna to Eretz Israel. In 1933, and he was regarded as the worldwide authority on halacha and on all matters with regards to Judaism. The Chazan Ish was the person who was turned to um, with regards to the many complicated questions that arose out of the great tragedies of the Holocaust and the many Jews that returned to Eretz Israel after that survived the war and, uh, and made it to the land of Israel. And the Chazanish was the uh, the foundation, the cornerstone of rebuilding Orthodox Judaism in the land of Israel and Eretz Israel. And he steered and led the Orthodox community in the land of Israel until his death in 1953. So we remember the Chazanish and his Yotzat and the tremendous contribution that he made to Klal Yisrael um, in his lifetime. I also wanted to mention that yesterday, the 16th of Cheshvan, was the Yotzat of the great Rav Shach, Rav Eloza Menachem Shach. Um, he was born in 1900, and he died in the year 2001. So he was 101 years old. He was the Rosh Yeshiva of the famous Panovich Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. The Chazanish also was in Bnei Brak. So the Chazanish really established Bnei Brak as being uh, one of the great centers of um, the Orthodox Jewish world, and uh, the Yeshiva Ponovich was built by the great Ponovich uh, rabbi, who was actually very connected to South Africa, Rav Kahaneman, who was the Ponovich Rov. Um, he was uh, was it called Ponovich because Ponovich is a town, is a shtetl in Lithuania, and um, in the Ponovich Yeshiva, um, the uh, there are. Sorry, so he, he actually, the Ponovicherov survived the Holocaust. He got out um, with one of his sons. His wife and ten children were murdered by the Nazis. He couldn't get them out. He got he got out and he, with the intention of, of he was able to get a visa for himself and his son with the intention of, of procuring visas once he got out. And um, he got out just before the Nazis invaded Lithuania and he couldn't get his family out. Can you imagine the unbelievable pain and trauma of losing one's wife and children, ten children? And murdered by the Nazis, but the Panovich was such a strong Panovich, or such a strong person, such a positive person, that he didn't uh, give in to the despair and depression, but rather he built. 
and he started, he laid the foundation stones of the yeshiva um, it, during the, the, the times, it was actually during the, the, the Second World War that he started building the yeshiva. Um, it was while the Battle of El Alamein was raging not far away in Egypt and people said to him, are you absolutely nuts? Are you crazy? How could you um, start a yeshiva when the Nazis are going to be here in a couple of days? And he said, uh, a yeshiva for the Jewish people, even for a, for a few days, is a worthwhile contribution. And uh, he built this great yeshiva called the Ponovich Yeshiva. Um, a, a large proportion of the funds that he um, was able to raise for the yeshiva were actually from South Africa. He raised money in South Africa. He bought some properties in Bromfontein. He sold some of those properties. And with that, with those proceeds, he built the Ponovich Yeshiva. And the Ponovich Yeshiva has been like the Harvard of yeshivas, Lavdil has been one of the great centers of um, Torah learning in the world, certainly post-World War II in Eretz Yisrael, um, and always has attracted the best scholars and the best minds in the Jewish world. And Rav Shach was the Rosh Hashiv of Ponovich, and he continued to steer Ponovich as being an outstanding Torah institution um, in which and, and many thousands turned to Rav Shach in their personal lives for guidance and for um, his uh, incredible Torah wisdom. So his Yotzeit was yesterday, the 16th of Cheshvan. He died in the year 2001, as I mentioned. Um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to meet Rav, Rav Shach in my lifetime. I went to spend Shabbos in Bnei Brak when I was learning Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. And I was fortunate to, uh, the person I spent Shabbos with, Rabbi Klaw, was a very close uh, uh, aide of Rav Shach. And he um, was able to guide um he was able to uh, uh, give me an introduction into um, Rav Shach, and I told him my story of how I became from from South Africa, from Johannesburg. He was very, very interested, and he was very encouraging, and was a great uh, inspiration for me to have met him. Um, and I was still in living in Israel, learning in Israel. I was married and learning in Kolel in 2001, and I drove from Yerushalayim to, to Bnei Brak to go to the Leviah, to go to the funeral of Rav Shach. There were over 100,000 people at Rav Shach's funeral, and uh, he was uh, one of the great leaders of the Jewish people in the 20th century. Also yesterday, finally to mention, I think it is worthwhile and important to mention, that yesterday also was um, the anniversary of Kristallnacht. So we uh, we usually remember Kristallnacht by the secular date of the 9th, 8th and 9th of November, uh, 1938, but the Hebrew date was yesterday, the 16th of Cheshvan. And we know Kristallnacht means night of the broken glass. So when the Nazis allowed and encouraged their brown shirts and the mobs to attack and destroy synagogues, shuls throughout Germany, over 1,600 shuls were destroyed, which is, uh, was almost every shul in Germany. Um, as well, they were, they were ransacked, they were burnt, as well as thousands of Jewish businesses and Jewish homes. Um, and similar violence was carried out in Austria um, on the on the state of the 16th of Cheshvan. And Kristallnacht was really the beginning of the end for the, the um, for the Jewish people in Europe under the Nazi rule, under the tyranny of the Nazis. And uh, it began what would become the destruction of European Jewry. So we remember Kristallnacht and the terrible suffering of the Jews of Germany and Austria. And, and the very tragic beginnings of the murder of more than 6 million Jews. Uh, when we come back, we're going to change the subject and look to more inspiring topics. 
and we'll talk a little bit about the great light of Avram Avinu. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Let's discuss a little bit about the uh, wonderful Torah readings that we are in right now. Um, we are learning about the holy Avos and Imaos. We learned last week's Pasha, the famous Pasha of Lech Lecha, where Avram Avinu is commanded to leave his home and to leave his, uh, his, the, where he, uh, his country and the, his community and his, his uh, parents' house and to go where Hashem shows him. And we, Understand and see that um, the fact that they are avos, and the the Gemara in Baba Metzia tells us avos michlal de ikel told us this concept of avos, which means patriarchs and matriarchs, it means that they're told us. In other words, what turns a person into an av? Um, the fact that there's a tolda, the fact that the person's got a um, a uh, tolda, which means a um, offspring that continue and that follow their legacy and, and uh, keep their name alive, so that um, that defines an Av. There's only an Av if there's a Tolda. And the um, the uh, famous Pasuk says, Elo Toldus Noach, the beginning of Pasuk Noach, it says, these are the generations of Noach. Noach ish tzadik tamim haya b'dorisav. The Pasuk says that Noach was a righteous person Um so these are the, sorry, it says these are the tolders, these are the generations of Noach. Noach, Noach is tzaddik. So generations usually mean the children. So why does the verse then say that Noach was a righteous person? So Rashi explains and says, Ika sem shol tzaddikim ma sim toivim. The main um, offspring of a righteous person are the good deeds that they do in this world. That our good deeds, although we also, if we blessed, have children, the main offspring that we leave in the world are the actions and the good deeds that we've performed in our lifetime. The Maharal explains, the Maharal says that um, the the masim toivin, the actions of a human being, are actually um, like the fruits of a tree. A tree that is planted and grows and produces fruits, those are like the offspring, that it's enduring, it's long-lasting, and it continues to produce in the future. Um, so it's a beautiful imagery that the Maharal explains on this point. Maharal also says, why are the main um, offspring of a human being our good deeds? He says, because the good deeds actually are um, entirely from ourselves. We, the good deeds are that which we do ourselves, whereas our children are we in a shutfus of partnership with our Kodesh Baruch, with Hashem. And in fact, Hashem does most of it. We do very little um, to have children. Obviously, we should get married, and we should um, and we should be involved in the important mitzvah of having children. But Hashem does most of it, whereas our deeds we doing most of it, and therefore our deeds are really our main offspring more than our our children and generations that follow. So this concept within Judaism of our actions being our offspring, and the therefore our actions make us uh, the the term avos, which means our patriarchs. Are, is only relevant because they are offspring, because there's an enduring legacy that they leave behind in this world. 
And as our sages tell us, we all should ask ourselves, Masai Yagiya Masai, the Masai when are my actions going to achieve, going to reach, going to match the actions to whatever degree, obviously relative to where we're holding, when are they going to match the actions of our forefathers? So we need to um, look at and study this model that the Torah gives us of our patriarchs and matriarchs and learn from that and try and emulate that and try and fulfill that in our lives. And the the so so the Torah is telling us that um, a, a person is an av when they have a tolda, when there's an enduring legacy that they leave behind, both in terms of their children and in terms of the deeds that they've performed in this world. So that makes them an av, and we need to aspire and try and emulate that in our lives. So, for example, you can have two people. Um, we have the the wonderful Shabbos project that's coming up, um, the Shabbos. And two people can keep Shabbos. Two people can observe the Shabbos. But a, we're saying that a, a to be an Av is a told. In other words, to be a, a emulate the great patriarchs and matriarchs, we have to have deeds that are enduring and deeds that are continuous and deeds that are are, are significant and long lasting. So two people can keep Shabbos. And for the one person, you know, they're keeping Shabbos and they're not doing any malacha. They're not uh, driving their car or switching on their phone or switching on the lights and uh, cooking or any creative activity that the Torah prohibits. But they're just going through the motions. They're having the meals. They maybe go to shul and they come home and they have a shloff. And, you know, Shabbos is, uh, passes through them as a peaceful day, but nothing more than that. And you can have a person who understands the power and beauty and depth of Shabbos Kodesh. And for them, Shabbos is a deep, meaningful spiritual experience. And they are conscious and cognizant throughout Shabbos. The fact that they're not doing malacha, the fact that they're not involved in creative, creative activities, the 39 categories of malacha that we're not supposed to do. So that is a zeicher lemaseh bereshis, is a remembrance of the creation of the world. The reason why I'm not doing malacha on Shabbos is because I am bearing testimony to the fact that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God abstained from creating f- further. And every week follows that pattern, and I, on the seventh day of each week, abstain from creative activity, because I acknowledge that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God abstained and commanded us to do so. So that is an incredible idea. That is a a life-changing, um, transforming concept that can touch us very, very deeply. Because once we are thinking about that and thinking that there's a creator of the world, this magnificent world was not by accident or by chance, that is ridiculous and ludicrous, but rather it is divined by a wise and perfect creator, designer, and that the whole world screams out to us that that is the case. Um, I've just come back last week. You didn't hear me on Chayafim because I was privileged to be in the bush, in the magnificent bushveld. And when one's there, one just sees the perfection of creation and sees God's in uh, God's fingerprints everywhere that one's eyes behold the beauty and magnificent and perfection of all of life in this world, whether it's plant life, whether it's animal life, whether it's bird life, whether it's insect life, it's all just so intricate and so magnificent 
and so perfect and so detailed that there has to have been a wise creator. Um, not to see that is just ridiculous. It's like I'm sitting now in front of my laptop speaking to you, and to say that my laptop, which is a quite a sophisticated um, machine, the Lenovo that I have got great service out of, to say that it just by chance was, um, you know, I found itself on my desk. So, you know, that's obviously ridiculous. That just doesn't make any sense at all. The fact that I have this Lenovo means that there were engineers, means that there was a factory, means that there's software that I put it, that was all thought out and designed and very well made in order that I can get benefit from it. So when you see something sophisticated, there has to have been a designer, sophisticated designer. So we see our world and we see the human body and we see the magnificent, intricate universe that we live in. Obviously, there must be a designer. It's just simple, basic common sense. It's ridiculous to think anything else. And there's so much evidence that proves that that is the case. So Shabbos, every Shabbos, we think about that. Every Shabbos is a Zeche Lemaise Barishis. I'm not switching on my phone and I'm not getting in my car and I'm not turning on the lights and I'm not cooking and making myself a cup of tea unless it's from an urn because there is a creator of the world. That creator created this magnificent world in six days, and the seventh day he commanded me to abstain from further creation. And that's the bris. That is a very deep, powerful covenant between us and God, that when we observe Shabbos, we are part of that bris of that covenant. As the Chavos Chaim says, that when a Jew observes Shabbos, it shows that that Jew is connected to Hashem and is a part of this living covenant between Hashem and the Jewish people. And it's like a sign, you know, if I'm driving down the road and I see a sign of pick and pay, so I know that pick and pay is open over there, I can go into the pick and pay, or I see, you know, the um, the quick shop is open because I see the sign is, is up there. So, so too, a Jew who keeps Shabbos is a sign that they are a part of the covenant with Hashem, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why it's the most emphasized mitzvah in the whole Torah. Twelve times the Torah tells us, that we must keep Shabbos and that if we don't, the, the consequence is the most severe that there is in the Torah. Because it's, it's, if we don't keep Shabbos, we're denying my separations. We're denying the existence of God. When we do, that God created the world. When we do keep Shabbos, we're acknowledging and accepting and, and, uh, bearing witness to Hashem being the creator of the world. So Shabbos is just the foundation of everything, what it means to be a Jew. And every week we are reiterating, we are e- emphasizing that there's a creator of the world who created the world in six days and the seventh day abstained. And once we acknowledge the creator, so everything else follows. So or the Chobetz Chaim says, so then all the other mitzvahs and all the other commandments then fall into place because we acknowledge there's a creator. That's the foundation. That's the beginning. That's the starting point of our spiritual journey. So two people can keep Shabbos. One just schloffs through it and just goes through the motions. And the other, it is a very deep, powerful, life-changing spiritual experience. So the point of, the, so the Avos, that's how they lived their lives. The Avos and the Maos, what they did were very meaningful things. Their, their actions were actions that were long-lasting and enduring and, and a, a legacy of meaningful and very deep um, interactions with the world. So when they kept Shabbos, they felt that tremendous power of what it meant and it touched them in a very deep way to the depths of their soul and it changed them as human beings. And that's how they lived their lives. So that's the that's what the Gemara means. Alvaz Michal Dekel told us 
that the fact that the, that we have avos and we call them our avos and imams, our matriarchs and patriarchs, means that their their deeds, then the main the ikka toldosem shol tzadikim maasim toivim, the main offspring of the righteous is their good deeds. Their deeds were real. Their deeds were were that they weren't just going through the motions and, motions and sloughing through it, but they were that what they did they did in a meaningful deep way that had a significant impact on themselves and on the world. And that is the, how we should be living our lives and how we should be doing the mitzvahs and how we should be um, interacting with this world because our lives are very short. We're only here for a very short time, aren't we? It goes so quickly. I'm 49 years old and it's really flashed by. You know, it was only yesterday that I was at school and only, you know, uh, yesterday that I was at university and in yeshiva and we were in Cape Town when we got married and went to go, we, we in Israel, then we went to Cape Town. And it just flashes through very fast. It was only yesterday that my first child was born, Plyan Hora. Um, my youngest child is now almost having his bar mitzvah. So time really travels fast, doesn't it, for all of us. And as we get older, travel it moves quicker. Um, but our, this short time, the short window of opportunity that Hashem blesses us with in this world is to be grabbed with both hands and we're supposed to take our opportunities um, and uh, make the most of them to the fullest and turn all the deeds that we are involved in this world into real significant meaningful um, interactions with life and with our with our existence and they should then become told us they should be massive good deeds that are enduring and long-lasting and those are the offspring that we the main the ikad uh, offspring that we leave in this world. So that's the beautiful model and example we learned from the Abbas and Himas. But there's a beautiful extension to this that I've heard from Rabbi Elephant, which is very beautiful. Rabbi Elephant explains that um, it's based on the teachings of Rav Chaim Velozhin. Rav Chaim Velozhin was the great um, founder of the Velozhin Yeshiva, the first Yeshiva that existed in Lita and Lithuania, and all the other Yeshivas were really spawned from the mother Yeshiva of the Velozhin Yeshiva, uh, Rabbi Chaim opened the Velozhin Yeshiva at the instruction of his Rebbe, the Vilna Gaon, who we've spoken about at length two weeks ago, which when it was his yacht site. Um, so the Rabbi Chaim Velozhin, he's got a beautiful perush on Pirka Avos called Ruach Chaim. And the the fifth chapter of Pirka Avos, the third Mishnah says, Asara doiros mi noach Avin, It says, Asarah Doros me me Adam at Noach. There were ten generations from Adam to Noach. Asarah Doros and ten generations from Noach to Abraham. That's Mishnah number three. Mishnah number four says, Asara Nisyoinus Nisnasu Abraham Avinu. There were four. There were ten tests that Abraham, our forefather, was tested. So in Mishnah three it says Abraham. In Mishnah four it says Abraham Avinu. So Rav Chaim Velozhin says, what happened? What, what changed? Why did it become? Avram Avinu, from Avram became Avram Avinu in the next Mishnah. What turned Avraham into Avram Avinu, Avram our forefather, which is what we're talking about. So he explains Rukhain Velozhin, he says, there were ten tests. The tests that we face in our lives, the tests that we endure in our existence, so those tests really turn our deeds into significant actions and make our, our choices um, enduring and long-lasting. They make them a constant reality that exists in this world. So when, uh, if we not test, and if we're doing the to- following, observing the Torah and the mitzvahs, and everything's going well, and it's all 
you know, hunky-dory. So then, you know, usually it's often a product of our environment. But when we have to face up to challenges and difficulties, and when it's not going our way, and when things are, are, are hard, and we are uh, facing misiones, um, we are facing ordeals that are not difficult to, not easy to overcome, that are very, very difficult and very challenging for us. So then, if we succeed and stand up to those tests, and we live the way God wants us to, we, we live in uh, following the moral code of the Torah, um, despite the challenges and difficulties that we are facing. So then those tests, those nishonas, turn our deeds into significant enduring actions. And those will be our legacy that we leave behind. So that's what Rav Chaim Velozhin says. He says that, that when we work through difficult situations and we still remain loyal to the values of the Torah and to the commandments of God, despite the difficulties and challenges, so then um, we become, we produce toldos. That's what produces the fruits of our labors. Uh, our deeds become fruits and they become enduring. And then we become avos. Then we emulate the avos and imas because we produce toldos. We produce significant actions and from the challenges and difficulties that we've been through, that we faced. So it's a very beautiful, he also says, Rahman Velozhin over there says it's a beautiful thing. He says that when um, the parents have been through challenges and difficulties, and have overcome them, and overcome their lower selves, and, and overcome the Yetzirah, and succeeded in certain areas, so their children will be, it will be easier for their children to succeed in those areas as well. It will require a little bit of effort and exertion on behalf of their children, but it will be almost part of their DNA, and they'll be able to achieve it more easily because their parents have been through those challenges successfully. And really, that's what, it's, that's what it means to be a Jew. We have inherited our spiritual DNA comes from the Avos and Imas, from our incredible giants of matriarchs and patriarchs who were the founders of Israel, of the Jewish people. And since they were the trailblazers and achieved so much in different areas, which we're learning about now in Sefer Paratius, so it makes it easier for us also to, achieve, to emulate those achievements and to, um, and to fulfill those things in our lives, to, to, to um, achieve similar kind of, you know, our tests, and we're on a much lower level relative to the giants of the matriarchs and patriarchs. But nonetheless, since they were successful, we have the ability to succeed also um, if we put our minds to it and if we um, try and, and focus on that. So that's a very beautiful and powerful idea that uh, that it's our, our job in this world, it's our goal in this world is to turn our actions into significant deeds that are enduring, that are long-lasting, and that remain our legacy um, in this world when we leave this beautiful world. Uh, please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So let's discuss now another fascinating incident that the Torah teaches us about um, our great patriarch Avraham Avinu. So we know that Avraham is the Amud Chesed. Avraham is the pillar of kindness. In other words, Avraham is the prototype of a human being that lives with compassion and kindness and care for others. He's really the example in the Torah for such an individual. And we see the, the main incident of Avraham which deals with this um, 
which shows us of how we should behave with compassion and with kindness. So that incident is the, um, the we, we see it in the beginning of this week's Pasha, Pasha's Vayera, is what we read this week, when Abraham is 99 years old and he's just had his bris. It's the third day of his bris, which we know is the most painful. And uh, he uh, Hashem doesn't want Abraham to to suffer, and so Hashem uh, makes it a very hot day. Chazal tells us that Hashem made it a boiling, sweltering day, so there wouldn't be people walking around. So Abraham wouldn't have to, wouldn't be involved in inviting them and looking after them and feeding them. He would have a bit of a chance to heal. But nonetheless, Hashem saw that Abraham was in terrible pain. Um, more, not so much from the bris, although that was painful, but more from the fact that he couldn't help others and do chesed. And so Hashem sent these three malachim, these three individuals that were posing as um, as wanderers in the desert, people that were traveling through the desert, and they were then suddenly appeared, and Abraham was then able to welcome them into his tent and to offer them food, to offer them water, to give them a, a place to rest um, on their travels. And we see it's a, it's a very fascinating point that I heard from Rabbi Elephant, is that this is now the prototype of being a person of kindness, of displaying um, unbridled love and kindness to our fellow human beings, to strangers. But we see that these strangers were malachim. So Abraham offers them water and he offers them food. Now malachim don't need to eat. They, these supernatural beings, they, 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 they were... These spiritual beings in the form of human beings, right? Um, with uh, the uh, Scarfire in Hollywood, that's easy for us to imagine. Because um, the movies are full of that kind of stuff, right? I don't know what they are. They're zombies. I don't know what they are in the movies. But um, we see that they were not real human beings. They looked like human beings, but they were really malachim. So the, the case that the Torah chooses to show us of kindness is really one where the recipients didn't really need the food. And there's a big discussion. Most opinions hold that they didn't even actually eat the food. Abraham gave them each a tongue and gave them the, the greatest delicacies that one could possibly serve at that time. Gave them sushi and he gave them steak and he gave them every, you know, the most expensive whiskey because no uh, cost was spared, no expense was spared to provide others and to show kindness in one's home, to hachnasos orchim, to, um, to welcome others into one's home. But so, so the point is that even though this is the example of chesed, but they didn't really need the chesed. So chesed is not so much about the result. Of course, we have to be genuine and, and we have to produce the results. But even if we're not able to produce the results, the ikka, the main benefit of chesed, of kindness, is what it does to us, is that it transforms us. The point of chesed is that the point of, of living with kindness is that it removes us from our mindset of selfishness. We all the default position of every human being is to be selfish and to take care of oneself and to be totally focused and fixated on one's own needs. Kindness is when we can break out of that mindset. And that's why we get married. The reason why we're supposed to be married, the Torah uh, commands us to get married, is in order to break out of the selfish mindset and in order to extend ourselves beyond just me and my needs. But now I have my spouse and I have to take care of my spouse and now I have to ensure that the needs, the emotional, the physical, uh, the material needs of my spouse are looked after, and i that's my responsibility. That's what we're doing when we enter into a marriage. And the Jewish view of marriage is not what 
is not to focus on what the other is doing for me, but rather what I'm doing for my spouse. That's my obligation. Not are they fulfilling, uh, fulfilling my needs and doing what they're supposed to do. Not, that's not what we look at. We look at am I fulfilling my needs? Am I doing what I'm supposed to, to provide for the physical, emotional, material needs of my spouse? Um, and if, if one spouse sees that that's one's focus, then they'll certainly do, you know, f- uh, do, do their part too. But anyway, that's the purpose of chesed, is to change us and to transform us from being selfish people to being giving people. And that's why the case, the, the prototype of chesed in the Torah is one where even the, the supplicants weren't really in need, but it was the emphasis is how it changes the giver and the individual. Now that is contrasted this week, this week's Pasha, with the people of Stom. We learn about Stom, which was a very evil place in God's world at the time, in the times of Avram Avinu, three and a half thousand years ago. Um, and the Ramban tells us that Stom was a place. Why were they so selfish in Stom? They didn't allow any kindness. They didn't, allow, they didn't, you weren't allowed to welcome strangers in. Strangers were not allowed in the town because the Rambam says that, um, Stom was a beautiful place. That was Kagan Hashem, Yavo Sham Rabim. They were worried that people would see how beautiful it is and how prosperous it is and how fertile the land is and people would come. There would be many people that would move there and that would uh, uh, cause, would force those that are living there to share the spoils and to share the riches of the land with others. They didn't want to do that. They wanted it all for themselves. They were very selfish people and therefore they didn't allow anybody to host a, a, a visitor from outside. That was the mindset of Storm. And the Ramban quotes a Pasuk in Yecheskel where he says, well, what was the, I'll, I'll read you the Pasuk. Pasuk says, Hine, Zehaya Avon Storm. This was the transgression of the people of Storm, of Sodom. Um, Gaon Sivas Lechem. That they, they were, um, they became arrogant. Sivas Lechem is like Sovea, that because they were satiated. But and they lived in a beautiful, prosperous place. to them and to their families. that they would not give to others. They wouldn't help those that were downtrodden and those that were in need. The people of Storm were selfish and wouldn't give to those less fortunate than themselves. That was the sin of Storm. And the Rambam continues and he says an amazing thing. This is the Shamamu Alehem, Hashmain Va'aretz, Va'ashchata Aretz, Va'loro Fuolo Olam, that Hashem then, because they were so evil and so selfish, Hashem destroyed them. Mipnei, and this is the critical part, because, Mipnei, Sheba'avor Toiva Nidga'u, because of the goodness of Hashem, that Hashem blessed them with, they became arrogant. The goodness that Hashem gave them turned them into selfish, arrogant people, and they didn't want to share it with others. Isn't that incredible? It's an unbelievable thing. We'll discuss it more in a moment after the short ad break. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Discussing the terrible transgression of the people of Storm of Sodom, and we see how the people of Storm were destroyed. Hashem uh, brought about the supernatural event that fire and brimstone um, hailed down from the heavens and wiped out the city completely and totally. And the reason is because they were selfish individuals and they were self-serving. They were not prepared to share 
the blessing that Hashem had given them in that part of the world. It was paradise stone. They were not prepared to share it with others. And as the Ramban says, Because of the goodness that Hashem blessed them with, it made them arrogant, it made them selfish, it made them um, self-serving individuals. And that is the most severe of all transgressions for which they were destroyed. And we see Avraham Avinu is the opposite. So Avraham comes to counteract the mindset of storm. So the Pasha starts with Avraham and he's unbelievable, no expenses spared um, to host these three strangers that were walking in the desert. He gives them the most expensive things and the, the, the greatest delicacies possible um, to look after them. And even though we see they didn't even need it and they didn't even eat it, but still, nonetheless, Abraham was counteracting this mindset of selfishness and of being self-serving as opposed to realizing. And Abraham was the, the antidote to this. Abraham realized that the blessings that he had and that all the goodness in his life was by the grace of God, was given to him by Hashem. And Hashem gives us blessing. Hashem gives us good things in order that we can share it with others. The reason why we have it is to share it. The reason why we're given it is in order to be able to share it with others. And Abraham knew that, and Abraham lived that way, and therefore he's the prototype of Chesed. And we are all B'nai Abraham Avinu. Abraham's our, our forefather. And we're supposed to carry on the legacy of Abraham Avinu, and supposed to see, the firstly see the blessings in our lives, and see that it's not self-generated, that it doesn't come from me. The fact that I can see and the fact that I can breathe, and the fact that I can walk, and the fact that I can eat food and swallow and digest the food. So all of those are gifts from Hashem. And they, the, the, those gifts that I enjoy are, um, so I'm constantly surrounded by gifts, by the families that we're blessed to have, and by the fact that we've got a roof over our heads, and we have a parnosa. Those are all gifts from Hashem, and Hashem expects us to share the blessings we have with others. And the sharing of blessings is not only financially sharing and giving tzedakah, but sharing by giving time, by giving emotional support, by sharing our experience and our knowledge with others. That's called magnanimous. That's called following in the footsteps of Avramavino. That's called being able to see the blessings we have and to share the blessings with others. So that's the beautiful legacy we have of our great forefather. And please God, we should all emulate that in our lives and be not be people of storm that are arrogant and selfish and mipne toiva nidgau and become arrogant from the goodness Hashem blesses with it, but the opposite. The more we have, the more we realize we have a responsibility to share it with others and to give to others and to follow in the footsteps of Avram Avinu. Thank you so much for listening and please make an effort to to um, observe the Shabbos, the Shabbos. Uh, it's the Shabbos project, which is an incredible project of the chief rabbi, just unbelievable how it's uh, affected so many people. So please make an effort to keep Shabbos this week and to follow and be part of the bris, a covenant of the Jewish people with Hashem. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.